Welcome back. This is the Knicks Wall Podcast, presented by Whistle Sports. I'm your host, Mike Cortez. Joining me today, I got the OG crew here. First up, Kyle Maggio. Kyle, what is up? Uh, actually excited uh, with Knicks stuff coming up. I think there's a, a lot that's going to happen in the next week, so I'm actually uh, excited to see what transpires here. Yeah, it's about time we've had something to talk about other than drafts. So in that spirit, Eli Cohen. Eli, welcome back. Thanks, man. Yeah, the rumors are flying and the, the smoke screens are smoking, so I'm excited to talk about some of this. Okay, so let's just get right into it. Russell Westbrook, that seems to be the new flavor. Chris Paul's name is kind of floated to the background, maybe on purpose. We'll get into that. But Russell Westbrook is the star most tied with the Knicks right now, so I'm going to kick it over to Kyle first. Kyle, what was your initial reaction on Russ? He has four years left, I believe, around $130 million on his contract. That's a little turn off to some people, including myself. What do you think? Including myself also. Um, if you followed me on Twitter for any period of time during an NBA basketball season, you know that I am an avid Russell Westbrook fan. I've always rooted for him from afar. He's a very easy player to do that with uh, uh, from afar. So I've always been very partial to him, and I defend him, you know, and I, I think people aren't necessarily hard on him, even with these draft uh, – next trade rumors here but I don't want to make that trade man uh, that's not the guy I want to lock into right now at his age you know his his deal if you remember was more of a legacy deal with OKC it was more of like we're, we're going to make sure you you cash out for staying with us and then we'll figure the rest out later you know we'll make sure you get your money and they did and they tried some stuff there with you know Paul George and Mello and and everybody else you know Depot br- briefly before them and they retooled a few times, moved him to to Houston, tried it, you know, there with Harden. And I think he was actually pretty damn good in Houston after that slow start. He had a horrific start. But um even then, it's just not it's too much money. It, for me, it's too much money and just not not the way I want to build a basketball team personally. You I get on this podcast and I complain every week about having to rely on players on this team that have no jump shot. The last thing that I want to do, as much as I love Russ, is invest that much money in a guy where the rest of the roster right now, especially the young guys that they've been rumored to want to keep, RJ, Mitch, these guys also struggle with their shooting. So it's like the last thing I really want to do is kind of add more to that and then kind of lock him in as as the star. Now, I will say my initial reaction after that was that, okay, well, if they do this, I don't know if they – it sort of signals to me like there's more coming, you know, like I, I don't think they make a move for Russ to then that's it. He's just going to play with RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. And they're going to figure it out and fit together. And that to me, that doesn't seem like that would be the plan, you know? Um, so I, I don't know if there'd be another move coming. I don't know if they, they plan on just supplementing that in free agency, but to me, it feels like this roster would dress, you know, pretty drastically have to shape uh you know change whether it's with everybody on it for the most part except for maybe an rj and a mitch uh or or at least with the the identity the play style because i I just don't know how it would really work at that point so i have a lot of questions about it uh i I will say it's not like it's the end of the world if they traded for him i think like you can you know with the amount of picks and, and cap that they have at this point in time like they should be able to figure out something to create a winning basketball team in the event that that does happen um, I I think that would be then disappointing if they couldn't. But if it was to just kind of add Russell Westbrook and nothing else, like I'd be pretty disappointed. You know, to me that would seem like a desperate heave to just get a, a star in and and do nothing else. So uh, I'm I'm a little confused with, with with the Rust one more than anything. So uh, I, I got to see what they do in this next week or so. But I, it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting rumor nonetheless. Yeah, it really depends on the price. And Eli, what 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 would you pay for Russ right now, knowing his limitations shooting, 
knowing you're going to have to pay him 130 mil because trade moratorium opens Monday. So this is actually something that's going to take focus ahead of the draft, I believe. So what would you pay? Uh, that's like that's a pretty loaded question because the answer is probably nothing because I don't think like when you're talking about what would you pay I think that it like Kyle said it comes down to the actual money that you're paying him and the way that it limits basically everything moving forward especially for someone who is such a limited player who like like he's amazing in so many regards but he requires so many specific fits and we've kind of talked about a bunch of times on this pod how most of the best players on the Knicks, and by that I just mean RJ and Mitch, like require certain things around them to work. So if you're adding, you know, another very specific type of player who needs very certain pieces around them, who overlap, like the things that they all need is the same. They need shooting, they need defense. And so I think adding someone else who needs those things is a recipe for disaster. So like, I don't know, it, it's interesting because the Knicks have enough cap space to just absorb him. And it does seem like the conversations that are floating out there, like sometimes seem to like people talk about it, like almost like the, the package that Detroit got for Andre Drummond, where it was like a second round pick and two crappy players. And like, I just don't see any way that Tillman Fertitta does that. Like I know that he's cheap and probably doesn't want to pay Russ, but he has a new GM who I'm guessing is not going to just want to dump a all-star slash all-NBA type player for literally nothing so you know it, it seems like Julius Randle would have to be in the deal that that seems like the starting point even just for them to like save a little face and say okay we, we got a young player who put up whatever he put up on the Knicks this year um and so if, if you're saying like okay Julius Randle for Russell Westbrook straight up like yes that is from an asset standpoint from like maximizing what you're going to get for Julius Randle you're not going to get better than that but it does limit everything else that you do moving forward. And so maybe that signals that they go after, because I think they would still have some, some cap space left to sign someone at like a smaller, but like a mid to high deal. So maybe you get like, I don't know, Danilo Gallinari or something like that. Cause you desperately need a shooter. But yeah, I mean like the question sort of what Kyle was, was hinting at or leading to is just like, what is this team trying to do? Like, there's no chance that a Russell Westbrook-led Knicks team, even if they add another good free agent, because, again, this is a very limited free agent class, like, even if they do that, I don't really see any way they're more than an A seed or, like, seven at best. And the East, while not being as good as the West, is really pretty good one through six. Like, those teams are good teams. And no. so if you're giving up all that and you really don't have a chance to be anything no. but, like, the Orlando Magic with a bigger name and more contract? Like, I don't know. Now, to – not I, I, I wouldn't say play devil's advocate because I do think there's a little bit of credence to it. But I, I guess the counter to that would be, well, you know, wouldn't then, Eli, that be valuable experience for second-year R.J. Barrett to be playing alongside an all-star making the playoffs? Wouldn't that be – good for maybe Mitchell Robinson in his first starting season or what should be by all indications, um, you know, him starting in the playoffs a little bit, like would you that know, not be a little bit like there are I, I think, some pros, I think. And again, I'm not for it, but there are a, some pros to this. So I think in a vacuum, I totally think that that, that is true. Like getting these guys to play some playoff games is going to be really helpful. And I actually think that Russ would help Mitch a lot. He's a, he's a very good passer and he's a good alley-oop thrower and Mitch could kind of feast on like rolling to the rim after Russ collapses all five defenders on one of his crazy rim attacks. Like I think that Mitch would probably succeed next to him. The question for RJ is does the benefit of playing in those high leverage moments outweigh the fact that he's probably going to be minimized even more than he was this year? Like just because I think that their fit is really kind of rough, like in similar ways to, you know, how his fit was rough with Julius Randle, even though Russ and Randle are obviously very different players. So I do think that it would be good for him to have that experience. But if it comes at the expense of putting him in a better position for his skill set, I don't know. I, I, like, I, I genuinely don't know what the trade-off is there. But my gut tells me that, like, unless you're betting on really substantial shooting improvements from RJ, like, he is going to 
basically be like a get to the corners and then maybe you'll like catch a pass and can attack off of that. Like not to say that Russ can't play with the wings. He played with KD and he played with Paul George, but it's not like RJ is commanding the same respect from Russell Westbrook that KD and Paul George were. So I, I'm not sure that he gets that same kind of, you know, runway with the ball. And it's also important to mention that next year could feature, I know the NBA was talking about possibly having a lot more uh, division games. So that means they're going to be playing the Raptors, Celtics, Nets with KD and Kyrie a lot more. So that's already a hard schedule. And Philly. So that's a really hard schedule as it is. So I don't really know what the playoff possibilities are, even with Russ around this current unit. And probably the best deal I've seen so far, I sent it to you guys yesterday. I forgot who, where I saw it on Twitter. But it's kind of what you said, Eli, with Julius Randle, Kevin Knox, for Russ and Rocco. I mean, if we could get Covington, that's amazing. Yeah, I feel like they value Covington a lot more than that, though. They're not going to just throw him in, especially if they're getting rid of Russ. Like, I feel like he could actually get a pretty big offer if they yeah. put him up for trade. But, yeah, I thought that was pretty unrealistic because, to me, I was like, well, right there you're going to give a team two pretty big pieces of – most winning teams you know what I mean like yeah. Ru- Russ as much as people want to claim that he's a, a negative or he doesn't make guys better like he still raises the floor of teams pretty significantly like that's the one pro to getting the Russell Westbrook because you're sort of banking on well we're thereabouts going to be a playoff team you know like I, I, we can truly confidently say with Russell Westbrook we're fighting for the playoffs and mean it because that's generally where he gets you maybe he doesn't go as far but you know he gets you to the playoffs so like that's that's that but it's like you know I, the ceiling is also kind of capped too so it's like they they have a chance they, they have a chance I, I don't think it's it's great by any means but yeah it I, reads I like it's very i told you guys this as well yesterday it reads very amari 2010 ish where you're just getting a guy who's very talented and that team had a little more around it. They had Gallo, Wilson Chandler, but the, the sentiment's the same. You're getting a star here in the hope of bringing another star. So maybe bringing Russ here, recruit somebody else. But on the flip side, Russ is kind of like that Lone Ranger star where I mean, he didn't even work out with Harden in Houston, who he's actually friends with. So well, how do you think if about – you're talking the Amari comparison, sorry to interrupt you. but no, no, no I was about to Amari... take it over. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, if you're talking the Amari comparison, like the fact that Westbrook has had – what like five knee surgeries in the last few years or like maybe that's a little bit high maybe like four knee surgeries like enough for, for, a, for a guard who doesn't shoot and is basically entirely reliant on athleticism that is definitely scary especially when they're making that much money and are you know over 30 like I, there is the amari thing is more than just a big contract it's also the injury risk which is pretty real for him and you know especially even like you know his play style leads to you know greater risk for injury already so and Thibodeau would run him into the ground somewhere yeah exactly D'Antoni did with Amar so that's really funny yeah I but mean, yeah I think the sentiment's still the same where you get a star in just to get the fans up yeah and I mean that's the other thing too is uh, and I wanted to bring this up and again not the route that I would take so every like I, I'm just saying that I think sometimes these things make a little bit more sense than we want to give credit to. So there is something too, you know, like you're saying about is he able to learn other star? Because like, you know, maybe, and this is what I've been saying since you know back in February, Mike on this exact same podcast, I said when they hired Leon Rose and and the tips rumor started, I said okay, that's the end of the rebuild mm-hmm. because. You don't sign the the power agent. You don't sign Tom Thibodeau. And then you just continue the rebuild. So to me, it was like somehow, some way they were going to go for it. They're going to they're gonna get somebody. I don't know if it's a good trade, a bad trade. I don't know if it's the guy everybody listening to this pod would want. I don't know if it's a Russell Westbrook. But they're going to go get somebody. I feel very confident saying that. I've been saying it most of this year. I, 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 that's just the vibe that I've gotten. That's what a lot of the reports have been. Basically, you know, we're always looking at somebody every time a star comes up, the Knicks are suddenly interested in looking, you know, checking in anyway. It's like we're, we're going to we're going to take a swing somewhere. So my point is, all right. So even if it's a rush, right, like it's like, is it the worst thing in the world? If Russ comes in, let's say they're able to figure out, you know, getting somebody else. And even if it's like a Gallinari level, like very good player, you know, hopefully it's a little bit better than that. 
But like, if you can get Russ and another very good player in this offseason, and you don't give up RJ and Mitch, and maybe the the coaching is just good enough, the spacing is just good enough, and and you know maybe things you know what I'm saying like maybe the shooting is just good enough where it's like not the worst thing in the world. It's still clunky. The fit doesn't make tons of sense. But is it the worst thing then if you get those couple of guys? You're sort of mediocre, right? Like a like a eight seven seed back to back years. You start to try to move on from Russ or whoever that other guy that you have is. And then you ha- you hand the reins off to RJ and Mitch, who have now been a part of a couple of like solid but not great or good teams. It's like I'm just trying to think of a, a very Knicks way that this could go, you know, and where we don't really achieve much. And it's like I, I don't even know if I'd be that upset then. If if I can at least lock in RJ and Mitch, and again, assuming it's not the worst fit in the world, to some winning, I feel like that's still – good at the end of the day as long as like they have a plan to me you know as long as the the plan is clear like we're gonna go for it with these couple guys now rj mitchell chip in and help out and then we'll see what happens and then it kind of becomes more about those two as they take some strides you know i feel like that's not a terrible thing either it's just there's more there's more avenues here than i think we're letting on like i think that might be a way that it, it lets them develop kind of on their own time and without having to be the full brunt of everything either well, that's the important thing. And just so we get the team's take on this, this is from Mark Berman's report involving Russ, where Russ is kind of being used as leverage and a separate deal for Chris Paul, who I think we can all agree would be a much better trade option. So yeah. he says the Knicks feel they have a lot of leverage and aren't trying to give up any future key future pawns, according to sources. Their potential interest could stem from using it as a scare tactic with OKC and any Paul talks. See, if that's what this is all about, I'm very excited about Leon Rose. Well, ho- hold your horses. I'm going to stop stop you guys and uh, consider the source here because it's uh, Chad Ford. But Oh, is it? Oh, Berman. Uh, okay, yeah. But this is via uh, Chad Ford. Uh, the Knicks are re- reportedly willing to part with R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson if it lands them a top three draft pick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing about, like, I think that there is probably some credence to the idea that they're using this Russ rumor for CP3. But, like, I mean, the other thing is, like, Russ doesn't really have any other suitors right now. Well, Chris Paul does. So, like, well, I don't... the Hornets. Hornets are involved. Uh, yeah, the Hornets, Hornets, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, the Hornets are involved. But, like, I'm just, I'm just like, with Chris Paul, he, if the Knicks kind of dra- try to drive up the price too much, like the Suns have more to offer, right? And we know that they're interested and we know that there's going to be another couple teams that come around. So I I don't know. It, it does seem like that's probably, you know, a little bit of what is happening here. I'm just not super convinced of how effective that is because I think the market is going to be stronger for Chris Paul than it is for Westbrook anyway. Yeah, probably. I mean, Chris Paul for Phoenix makes too much sense. Yeah, like all the sense in the world. Yeah, I didn't even realize at first uh, the Monty connection there, and then it hit me like a ton of bricks. And now, uh, on top yeah, of just, just just the general fit with the roster, where he'd be tremendous with uh, Aiton and Booker. Um, yeah, I, I I'd personally, just as a NBA fan, I'd like to see him go there. But uh, the Knicks are also, for you know similar reasons, are a good spot for him. We'll see. Um, but I, that uh, that little. Draft day rumor is kind of. I mean, I I'm hope just, not, right? I'm like, ignoring I, that. I'm just like, swiping like, left like, on that. Yeah, like, like in this draft, that would be. I, I would be annoyed in this draft, personally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's the only way I could really put it. I think that's a that's a very poor decision. So. Um, yeah, and I don't really believe that anyone right now has enough insight into what. Leon Rhodes is trying to do like from everything we've heard they've been very locked down so it seems like most of like what we hear is more just speculation and like maybe other teams talking about what the Knicks might do which is usually based on like the dumb things they've done in the past I'm not I, I yeah I don't know I don't I'm not really buying most of the things that are coming out right now yeah um it, it just smells I, I something smells funny with that I, I I don't like that at all but Let's let's uh, shift gears to another report that was uh, 
in the news uh, the last day or so, which is uh, Tom Thibodeau uh, reportedly has some say on the roster and he wants more win now, guys, which can mean uh, literally anything. Um, I don't know what your guys' take on that was, but to me, that simply implies new head coach with some say, uh, which is kind of always seems to be, that seems like a normal setup, uh, wants better players than the near league worst roster that he was given. So I don't know if there's anything newsworthy there. I thought that was pretty normal. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I mean, <laughs> anyone on the free agency market would be getting win now players compared to their rosters. So like, I mean, Fred Van Vliet could be a win now player. Christian Wood could be a win now player. DJ Augustine could be a win now player. I think that that like people freaking out about that because they think that it signals that the youth isn't being prioritized. I think that that's like a little overblown. Like you can have players who are actually decent at basketball while still prioritizing the young guys on your team. Right. And I think he's still like, no matter what win now players he really wants, I do believe he accepted his job to coach, you know, RJ Barrett had to have some interest in him. I mean, he had to have some interest in RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson if he took this job, because I'm sure the team made it clear for now, these are our two top guys. So that doesn't, that affect more like Kevin Knox, Frank, but I think he likes Frank anyway, but you know, Knox, Dennis Smith, the one thing it does kind of perk my ears up about is that report. I think it was a couple weeks back. Remember they said they, were, they would be willing to do what the Nets did and take on assets to eat big contracts, I think that report would kind of knock that down a peg. So that would kind of that piss me off. You know, I was kind of interested in taking bad deals to get more assets, but it is what it is. Yeah, and the other thing that it signals, which I think we already knew, but it sort of just confirms it, is that Thibodeau and Leon Rose are going to be sort of collaborative, at least a little bit, which, you know, makes sense given their long relationship and given the fact that Thibodeau has front office experience, even if it is, um, shall we not say great. questionable? <laughs> yeah, not great. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say questionable to keep it diplomatic, but yeah, not great. Um, but it does signal that there is that kind of like open communication between them, which again, I think we expected, but it will be kind of interesting to monitor how Leon Rose balances, you know, planning for the future. If that, you know, if his plan is to build it steadily, which, and I agree with you, Kyle, that, you don't hire Leon Rose to, uh, you know, start the process from scratch. But I do think – I don't think that that necessarily means that he's going to, like, jump in, like, all in this summer. Like, I think even keeping Scott Perry around for an extra year has signaled some amount of patience and, like, let's see what we've got. So I, I think that given the, the craziness of what this upcoming season is going to be, where we don't know what college basketball is going to look like. We don't know, you know, even like what, what the schedule will look like now that they're starting it in December. Like they want to have fans. They don't want to have fans. We have no idea what's going to go on. I think the kind of limiting the chaos inside the team, it might be a priority, right? Because, because of the chaos everywhere else. And, you know, given the free agency and draft classes coming up next year, one more year, like I know all of us fans are like really itching to like, you know, see some, some actual wins and some actual like progress forward. But, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he just looks at what's going to happen next year and say, okay, you know, one, let's, let's just play it slow and steady. And next year is the year we're going to try to cash in. Hey, look, it's possible. Um, I, I don't know how patient they're going to be, but it's, it's possible. I just think, which by the way, could mean like a Fred Van Lee. Like I think he would count in what I'm in what yeah. I'm talking about, right? No, you don't no, have to I, just like sit on your hands, right? I, I don't. That's all I'm saying is I, I think he he's getting somebody is I think the goal. I, I don't know who the somebody is, but I think it's one of whoever they throw the most money at in free agency slash if they land a, a CP for the package that they want slash if they get get Russ for how they want to get him. You know, I think. I think that's basically all that we know about them because they keep coming up in those kinds of things is like, okay, well, yeah, we'll be a player. That's kind of the message that we're getting is like, we're going to be a, a player in all these different markets. Like we're, we're going to be in on Fred Van Vliet for over $20 million thereabouts. I don't know how far, but yeah, we're going to be in on him for some money. Yeah. We're, we're going to be in on these uh, all-star players that Wood are available. Christian name that just came up. Yeah. They like we we'll, probably pull the trigger on. Christian Wood has come up. Um, you know, they've been linked to even Mello, uh, 
the Gallinari stuff, I don't think has really been linked. It's been more speculation, but it's like they've been like involved on enough bigger names. Even Donovan Mitchell earlier this year, they was coming up that the Knicks could be interested. Like anytime a name has come up, it's like, okay, the Knicks are right there. It's like they're throwing their name back into the hat, kind of trying to like pick their spots. So I don't know who it's going to be. I just think that they want somebody to kind of show like, okay, look, we we do want to win and we do want to win with who we have. But that's why I, I want to just get this week done so that I can stop speculating that because that's going to tell us everything. You know, that's going to tell us everything. And then we could, we, we can really figure out where they're going to go from here. I feel like we're going we're gonna to have almost all of our answers very quickly. I think and that's basically like person. if they don't, Sorry, I was just gonna say if they don't get anybody, like if they just try to run it back, like it's gonna be a a long, dark, depressing season. So like they need to get somebody, and that's why those like those win now moves, like duh, they didn't win a lot of games. They want to win at least a few more games. Like you have to just add better players. That's what that's what Leon Rose has been brought in to do is add some good players. The 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 last thing I'm gonna say though is um, that's why I'm kind of hesitant on thinking well they're okay trying to be bad or kind of bad for another year. You know, to me, it seems like they want like clear, like an obvious improvement, like very obvious, no doubt about it. No fans have to argue about Frank Nielakina improving 1%, you know, from year over year. Like they want clear and obvious. Okay. We made this team eight games better this year. Very, very clear. Eight games better. So to me, it's like, I don't know that that's why they'd be, okay with another down year i think that's why i think they're they're going to be aggressive and that's why i don't even think like the be patient for 2021 is like on their mind for better or for worse it just see i i agree it just seems like we're going to be more in that sort of purgatory range than we probably would want to admit right that's what i was gonna say like even if they do add i don't really see any avenue for them not to be like at least like pretty to kind of bad so I think I agree with you, but I think that even doing those moves, they're still going to kind of be that bad. So like, you know, it's, it's all sort of going to lead the same way, you know? Fair. Um, all right. Let's stop here before zoom cuts us off. Uh, we're we're going to pick us, uh, pick it right back up uh, on the other side of an ad. So we will talk to you guys on the other side. Uh, three, two, one. Okay, and we're back. Um, you know, we left off talking about uh the Knicks potentially pivoting towards uh win now. Um, who are some of the other names? We know a lot of the Fred Van Vliet's. Uh, I think we're all kind of in on that route. You know, uh, if they go that in free agency, um, I think we kind of know draft wise what we're thinking. But um, are, are there any other names that have been kind of coming up? I know Christian Wood has, has come up a number of times, but uh, are there any lesser known names if if they're going this win now kind of way? It, it's a lesser free agency, but guys that you might be interested in. I mean, the guy that uh, the Spurs traded away to try to get Mook before the Knicks swooped in. I think Davis Bertans would be like number one on the list of like other than the people you already named I think he's number one on the list just like just given his fit next to Mitch and RJ like yes he's a one-trick pony but he's probably the best 6'10 and up shooter right now in the league at least until Jaron surpasses him uh but just like especially due to the the sheer just like ballsiness of the shot selection um I would love to see him in the garden he would be so much fun Yeah, um, he's a good confident shooter. Uh, We need shooters. So pretty much anybody that's going to be available. Uh, Isn't Joe Harris also on the table? He is, but it seems pretty likely the Nets are going to keep him. He's considering how perfect he is for them. Um, But I would absolutely throw an offer sheet at him. Yeah, we need shooting. Uh, I'd love shooting at the four, Uh, whether it's Gallo or – I mean, I'm – very much back in on Gallo for homecoming. We've said that on this podcast before too. Uh, him, Bertans, I, Christian Wood. I think you, you got to get one of those three guys, in my uh, opinion, for how this team has to work the next couple of years. I think uh, guard and a, a, a four that can shoot the ball. 
I think you do those two things, and at the the worst case scenario for this team next year is tolerable. You know. Yeah, and I I wouldn't really call him a win now move because I don't honestly think he's like that good. But if the Knicks could just like grab Torian Prince from the Nets because you know he's starting an extension and it's like it's not paying him a ton, but it's definitely a little bit over what he should be paid. Like I think he would sort of fill the same role. Like I think people. I think his shot will kind of get back to the level it was um, wherever he was last with it, Atlanta. Um, but, like, I think, like, just to have him as kind of, like, a live active body at the four who can shoot presumably and, like, do a little bit of defense would be interesting, especially because I think you get him for very little. Um, but, yeah, again, I, I don't think he's going to, like, move the needle for you at all. It would just be, like, nice to have another competent, like, three, four that you can throw out there. Also, DJ Augustine, I think, will be an interesting name to keep an eye on. Like, if they strike out on Van Vliet, like, do the Magic want to bring him back? Like, do they trust Fultz? Do they take a guard at 15? Uh, but he, you know, Thibodeau loves him. He's a shooter. He's tiny, but he, you know, tries on defense. And he can just – he can organize an offense. He's like what we wanted – Peyton to be just like the adult in the room, except that he's actually got a skill set that helps people. So that would be an improvement. Yeah, I don't know. There's a, a lot of routes uh, this team can, you know, take here to, uh, it really improve. Um, I'm hoping that that it's a little bit of both. I'm hoping we finally get some reinforcements just by, and, and this isn't win now anymore either, but this is me just kind of declaring my draft take, but I, I'm hoping that they just get Kyra, uh, Kyra Lewis out of uh, Bama. I, I would like that. And I'd like for them to also sign a Fred Van Vliet. I don't think it needs to be one or the other. I think you in 2020, we should go as guard heavy as we can. I would love, love, love that if you get Fred, you basically get a guy who can play on or off ball at your leisure uh, and as he sees fit and he's good at both. I think just loading up uh, on, on guards is the best way to go. Getting a Kyra Lewis, uh, adding some speed, uh, adding some, you know, off ball shooting with Freddie. I, I think that's how, that's how we'd really be in business. You could really make some fun lineups with like uh, those two and RJ Barrett. I, I think you could re you're really onto something there. I mean, after what Van Vliet said on JJ Reddick's podcast, is he not the number? Should he not be the number one target? Because Gallinari, guys like Gallinari, they want to win. Fred Van Vliet's more worried about financial security, and I think that's exactly the type of player you should, I guess, overpay a little bit for. Right now, because like, what else is there to bring back? Alfred Payton, like, come on. So I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say that very quickly. That's the correct thought because. What do we always say with the Knicks? All the pros here about coming here are kind of overblown. What we can do is spend money. So if it's in Fred Van Vliet's best interest to get paid and we need a guard and we also can open the checkbook and sign him to pretty much what he wants and it wouldn't really severely impact us, uh, you know, in almost any way, even if it's more than we want, the fit's good. You know, it, it addresses a weakness like – yeah, like just finally use the one good thing that we have. We have our checkbook open. We have lots of money that we're able to spend. We're the Knicks. Who cares? Spend the money. Like it's to, to me, it's not that big of a deal. There, there is worse, way worse guys to overpay than this guy. Yeah, and yeah, same goes for Christian Wood for me because he wants to win. Same age as Julius Randle can shoot. I just don't see any downside to bringing those two guys in, and then even looking at the trade market, like we have Kevin Love, Gordon Hayward is another name that could suddenly pop into the free agent market. So. You know, just guys that can shoot, mostly. If the Knicks pick up Gordon Hayward. <laughs> it's only if he's I, bought out, though. It's only in, if he's bought out. In any capacity, Mike, if the Knicks pick up Gordon Hayward. He's not that bad. I, I will renounce my fandom. Is it I a personal? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to push back on this Is one. it personal? Wait, wait. Is it personal or player? If it's personal, I am 100% with you. Oh, if, oh no. Oh, no. It's, it, it's a little both. I think he stinks. I think really? he's he, he's inconsistent. He is okay. Listen, he is wildly inconsistent. We are holding out to memories of him 
from years oh, I don't ago. I think he's going to be he, a star. He, he, he's, he's worked his way back from the injury to a respectable, solid, starting-level way, and I will give him that. But he is way too inconsistent. He disappears at insane times for little stretches. I want no parts of Gordon Hayward on my team. I'm not even trying to talk myself into it. Spare me your positives about his IQs and the way he fits into the, the role of the game and these little – I don't want any part of it. I want, no, I want nothing to do with Gordon Hayward on my basketball team. I'm sorry. What about his uh, – 30- like If it's just injuries, I agree. But I – otherwise, like, like he, he is basically the perfect package skill-wise for what you want next to RJ and Mitch on the wing in that he is a good shooter, a good playmaker – and can defend both the three and the four. Like, I, the injuries absolutely scare me, and so that would be, like, the thing that would give me pause. But, like, he just came off a season where he averaged 17.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, four assists, shot 38% from three on four attempts a night. And this is, like, him, like, still kind of, like, getting his legs back underneath him. Like, he is a good player, and he would give the Knicks so much of what they need. Even if he's not the star, I think he would be the guy who would let RJ kind of blossom in a way that a lot of the guys like, you know, the Russell Westbrook, like those guys would not like injuries. I completely think that it's a huge risk and it's really scary personality wise. I'm not a fan, but just in terms of what he does on the court. And I do think that like, I do think that he had a pretty underrated season for the Celtics this year. And I don't know. I think like it's harder, it's hard to find a better fit just in terms of his skill set on the wing in this free agency class. Again, that's that's fine. Uh, I want no parts of Gordon Hayward. I, I don't I don't like his passive attitude on the court. I don't think this is a guy that's really going to move the needle for us. As we get him, as he starts to get older, while still dealing with injuries, and and again, like yes, the season as a whole, but th- I just there are still inconsistencies with how he shows up, and I just don't want him playing a big role on my team at this stage in the game. I, I don't. And if he comes here, inevitably he's going to be used in a pretty big way. I just don't I, I don't feel like wasting my time on Gordon Hayward. If he opts out and you could sign him to like a three-year declining contract where you give him like some good money up front and then get like progressively more moderate, I I think that would be a huge win for the team. I really think like I don't I agree that it wouldn't like it's not gonna make them a playoff team, but I don't think any single movie is gonna make them a playoff team. But I do think that it would help RJ develop a lot. And I do, especially even just like learning from another big playmaking wing. And I do think it would help Mitch a lot. Like I I don't know. I would I would be very interested. In I that. think I think getting getting them actual guard talent. Is oh, I'm not I don't, saying don't I, get I, them a guard. I no, don't no, think no, don't I, get them a guard. I don't, but uh, but, but I think I think uh, saying a Gord, for me like saying a Gordon Hayward type is going to help, help Mitchell Robinson. Like I, I don't think it's really going to do all that much for him. It, for oh, for I Mitch, absolutely for, do. it's space of the floor and he's a playmaker. I think it, I got a middle it, ground for you guys. I think I have a middle ground. Get Fred VanVleet and Gordon Hayward. Absolutely, that's a that's good team. For, no, okay. How about Kevin Love? Cleveland's looks like they're ready to move on from him. He's got a lot of money left on his contract, but I think he's a perfect fit next to Mitch. Those outlet passes are beautiful. I think if we are going to add a Caucasian member to the Knicks, I think this is the I, guy I'd rather add. I think it's a slam dunk fit. Yeah. I, I think I think I said it in uh, Slack earlier today, but he's like the anti-Mitch. Uh, you know, he – he still he still got it with the rebounding. Let's not forget the way he was used in Cleveland was – uh, mostly by you know the way he had to fit in with LeBron James, it wasn't that he forgot how to rebound the way he once did. So uh, coming in here, he'd probably pick up more of those rebounding responsibilities to some degree, but he'd also still uh, obviously use his three-point repertoire, which is now the backbone of his offense. So I think that's exactly the kind of four that you would want to get next to Mitchell Robinson. I think that's exactly uh, you know the four that you would want even for R.J. Barrett or whoever – the guard is that's going to be here, whether it's a, a rookie or a, a, a Chris Paul, a Fred Van Vliet, a Westbrook, you're going to need that four who's able to pop out, hit those threes in the corner, you know, move around the wing comfortably. And uh, I think that's Kevin Love. I, I understand that he comes at a cost. Um, I, I know that any money makes Knicks fans uh, feel uncomfortable these days, but I, I don't know. I just think that that's a really great fit uh, in what, you know, 
they keep claiming they want to do moving forward around these uh, young pieces in RJ and Mitch. So I, I would be for it. I'd, I'd be curious to see what the package looks like, but I, I would probably be able to talk myself into almost anything for him. Well, they want to build around Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., and um, name slipping. Uh, Colin Sexton. Sexton. Yeah, so they want to build around those guys. I assume Knox would probably be included. I guess Randall would have to be included in any of these deals because of financial the salary, right? Yeah, right. And then well, I'm assuming you know, they would have Portis or any of those extra guys that quick, are going to get cut anyway. Quick note on the on the the Randall thing, though. This was why I wanted to sign Julius Randall too. Uh, aside from his his play, I, I did. This was a point that we brought up on the pod. Was you know for them to be a player in any trade, you could at least walk in and go, okay, we have a guy who's almost twenty and ten. You know, doesn't make a ton of money. You know, team-friendly deal. Like, do, do you want him? And I feel like even if you don't love Randall, you at least go, oh, okay, we can stomach that. That helps, you know? I felt like you could at least use him as a potential trade chip in certain deals. And I feel like now we're starting to see that, which is good. I think that was like an underrated smart thing. I, I will give credit to the the Perry Mills uh, regime anyway. Like, that that's one specific piece. The other guys I thought were, you know, obviously going to be worthless with this. But Randall, it was kind of a key point to that deal, I thought. Yeah, no, that was the only free agent signing I was okay with. But I yeah, yeah. I think it would have to be included in any deal. And same same goes for Portis. I don't mind the Portis signing if he is able to I think it's a team option, correct? On his deal? For Portis yeah. specifically. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, I like that signing because now if you need to trade for Love or Russ, you can pick up the option and then use him for a trade bait. So those are like the two signings. Portis I hated, I still hate, but if he's used to facilitate like a Kevin Love, Russ, or I wanted to get one more on you guys when we were talking about Russ and it slipped my mind, but Kyle, you have your, you have a better pulse on the general NBA, all right? Houston seems to be more than a Russ problem. I've seen reports that Eric Gordon's not happy. I think PJ Tucker wasn't really happy about Silas. I believe only one player has really recognized that Steven Silas has been hired. If the Rockets were to push for Russ and then, sell them off to somebody else what if the Knicks came like completely over the top for James Harden like offer RJ Barrett Mitchell Robinson and like draft picks for the next five six years how does Houston say no to that I mean because of other teams packages I would say no but like think about it you think if there's any team to bet on sucking and just ruining anything it's the Knicks like why wouldn't you take the next five years of Knicks picks for James Harden who may or may not want out I mean I mean that's that's a fair and compelling argument. Um, I, I don't look, man. Um, the way that I look at it is, it if you can get a guy like James Harden, you have to do it. But that's yes. that's a that's a steep look. That's a steep price. I don't know. Five or six years seems wild. I, I was just like, I was just getting wild, like, but I'm just saying, yeah, like, like, yeah, like I, I understand what you're saying. If it's going to be like more draft heavy, but even then, I think there's going to be teams that probably could be what we have including teams that probably just have stars that want to upgrade over their own stars so i i i think that the knicks could throw a an offer that would be competitive in that realm if we're gonna you know have the full schmorg like if everything everything was on the table but i I do think they'd probably get outbid um somehow some way um but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't go for it i think you should you know if, if there's even a chance hardens on the table you should be asking and seeing what a deal would look like for your franchise. So yeah, I would I want, I, I, I'm advocating for them to go after it, but I just don't think that they would ever be able to pull that yeah, off. It'd be one of those deals where like Houston picks up the phone, expect, expecting to talk about Russ. And it's like, wait, what the hell just happened? Kind of like the Paul George deal where it just came out of the blue. So I think that's the only way it would happen. But if I'm Leon Rose and like, it gets to that point, I think James Harden's literally the perfect thing of what he wanted in terms of star power, actually good but can also go terribly wrong from a fan perspective. So I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about getting ready for this. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't really think that there's a chance because we're basically talking about like a, a Paul George package for someone who's significantly better than Paul George. Like, I, I don't know. I don't see the Rockets trading Harden and not getting a star level player, like immediate star level player back as well as like a bunch of future assets. Why wouldn't like, they want to rebuild though? That's my thing. Why wouldn't like I feel like if I, the whole could team, you get like, because because they could rebuild, it would just be with another star. 
Right, like, exactly. You can get like Ben Simmons or something like that. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. I, okay. You know, people people here hard and like everything is not everything, but a lot of stuff is going to go on the table. And so while the Knicks could like do have a lot of assets to give, like yeah, they if you're trading James Harden, you're going to need something to sell the fan base, the ownership. Like you're going to need something real and tangible, like right in the moment. Because if you're picking up James Harden, like let's just be honest, like you 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 can hate James Harden, right? You could despise James Harden. Amazing. Player. If, if you are picking up James Harden, your franchise is immediately losing, like winning no less than like 45 games, especially out east. Like that's the way that I'm looking at it. Like no matter what you do after you trade for James Harden, James Harden and some, you know, some assembly of a professional basketball team around him is is generally going to get you middle of the playoffs at worst is, is kind of the way I look at it. He's a top, like what, three-ish player every single top season? Three, firmly, firmly. Yeah, pretty, pretty firmly, right? The, the last almost decade. And nightly really? watch, also factoring in nightly watch. Like there's an average Wednesday where watching the Rockets on League Pass is amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, he doesn't – and the other thing too is like he doesn't miss time ever. James Harden's just always playing. He's just always playing basketball, always getting triple-doubles, always scoring a zillion points, getting a, a zillion assists. So, I mean – to me, yeah, like you, everything would have to be on the table, and 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 that's for a lot of teams that you know, like like Eli said, like a, a Ben Simmons or a younger star, like a, maybe a Booker, like you, like everybody for a lot of teams would be on the table for that because you know, okay, well, the duration of this deal for sure with James Harden, we're gonna win like fifty-ish games every year. We're gonna be in the playoffs, second round every year. Like there, there's expect you know expectations that are gonna come with getting a, a player that good in his prime. So. Sadly, the Knicks are not going to be able to make that deal. All right, that was my batshit idea for the day. I, look, I love it. I love it. I think that's great. I, it, it's a nice thing to think about, but they just don't have enough. Um, yeah, look, it's it's going to be an exciting week, I think. I think we're finally going to get some clarity here uh, on things. And, uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of questions these last – you know, what, eight, nine months, basically, since everything went on pause, and we've had no real new answers aside from, you know, Thibodeau getting hired. So um, it, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I know everybody's got stuff that we're worried about and stuff that we want to see, whether it's who we want to see them draft or who we want to see them sign. But thankfully, everything's going to move at warp speed because this is an insane year, and it's going to be an insane season, and we got to play catch-up somehow. So uh, there's that, at least. So, yeah, this week is going to be a hurricane of, of NBA news. I cannot I'm wait. Very Starting excited. Monday, I think Sunday night, once football's over, like once the early games of football's over, I think the matches is on too, but I really don't give a shit. I think Sunday night is going to be like where we start seeing rumors start popping up left and right. Like Woj's fingers are going to be tired. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to be well rested tonight. I'm going to get, you know, wind down <laughs> early. Uh, I'm going to get some tea. Uh, really, you know, have a nice, nice, strong, calm night and, you know, <laughs> Be prepared yeah, right. for – yeah, I mean, it's going to be hell these next couple of days. Uh, I, I can't wait. I just – look, the Knicks got to get somebody, man. The Knicks got to get somebody. I, it, it, even in the draft, it's got to just be – give me somebody exciting. I, I need something. I need some. I can't, I can't do another year where, where they draft the kid and then five games in we realize he stinks and now we got to pretend for three years like it's something <laughs> different. Like, That's why I don't like, want to curl. Like, like, like just get, give me somebody – like, you know, like uh, – who, who jumps off the screen a little bit. That, that's, that's all that I'm hoping for. I just I don't want to have to fool myself anymore into thinking somebody might be good. You know, I just want to watch and go, okay, it's pretty obvious he's good to some degree. Okay, this, let's see what happens now. Like, just, just once. We can't run into somebody at eight. Just once. I think we need to start a pool about whether Julius Randle is still on the team come Friday because I really think he's going to get traded on draft night. Yeah, yeah, I kind of want him to just because I feel like he was done dirty by the Knicks. They just didn't – they just signed him to sign him. I mean, I guess, like we said earlier, like if it's used in a trade, it makes sense. But let's be real. He was put in a position to fail because he just didn't mix well with well, Mitch at all. No other point. I still think Dallas kind of makes sense given his unguaranteed money or his, his small guarantee for the year after when they're trying to preserve cap space. I'm pretty sure they were interested Dallas, in Randall the whole time too. Dallas like, makes maybe back to the Lakers. most sense. Yeah. The most sense. Dallas is the situation that I argued for in New York. Yep. Dallas, exactly Portland, what we wanted. 
That is exact. I mean, Luca was more of a pipe dream. So I'm not going to say that that was something that I predicted or wanted in my realistic scenario. But my dream was I wanted Kristaps to play alongside Julius Randle. I think that would have that that is immediately a a nasty four five pairing. Um, it's like then, the inverse of the uh, Kevin Love Mitch comparison you were making exa- earlier. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. It it makes the most like that. You need guys like that. They fit each other perfectly. They f- exactly cancel each other out like that. The weaknesses. But then, um, so all they would really need is a good guard. That's all that I wanted in New York. Get those guys, get those two settled, and then get a good guard, and then you have something. And if you have Luca, and then those two, I then you really have something. So I I think that's a objectively as much as everybody can hate Dallas that's a really good fit yeah I mean given like they're given the fact that they play with so much spacing like it seems like one of the few places where Randall could be like actually an average or above average starter and I know that that sounds a little harsh but I think just with his with his specific game it's really hard to make him like a very valuable especially in like the playoffs type player unless you put the perfect pieces around him like we kind of talked about earlier in the rust discussion but dallas has those pieces and like he could occupy so much space in the paint and do his little bowling ball thing against just like one defender instead of like five defenders like he had to for the knicks this year it's it's a really interesting it's now the question is would they give up the 18th pick for randall and that seems that's what i was about to ask you would have to throw on the, what, what about 38 too if you throw in 38 or i don't want him throwing 27 for that i really don't yeah, I would they throw could get 38. 38. I mean, it makes sense. Like, you get a guy who can help them win this year. Like, they, they, they're, Luca has accelerated the timetable and they need to win. So, getting someone who can contribute now versus like bringing along a guy slowly, it makes some sense. I would probably rather take Desmond Bain at 18 than take Julius Randle, but you know, there, there's a lot of logic to it. And I, for one, am going to be crossing my fingers all a draft night hoping I hear that announcement. Oh, that'd be great. That would be. I mean, Bain, just to end up with – I really don't care we do it eight. Like, I really am open to Killian, Kira, or Kyra. Same. Um, I really don't care about that. I just want Desmond Bain and Isaiah Joe and or Isaiah Joe. Like, I just want a sniper. My yeah. my at eight take is, is pretty much the same as most years, Mike. It is get me the most exciting guard that's available, which is also hopefully the best player that is available. And uh, then if you can't, then it is – you know, then get the best player. So, for me, it's like – Hope that Killian's there. If not, you know, get Kyra. Um, and then probably Vassell, you know, at that point for me. Like, in, in some – you walk out of there with one of those at eight, if you're not going to do the trade up or down, then I'd be I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, you know? yeah and, those are my three, too. I would be absolutely thrilled with any of them. I've I mean, come... that, that's a good – that's an exciting if – you, if you do that in, in three years, if you get Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, and then one of those three, I think that's – that's an actual exciting trio. That's not like Kevin Knox and Frank Nielakina, and then you got to try to persuade people. Like th- those three in a row are actually like, oh, okay, they, they've now we have three straight years where they got somebody in the draft. You know, Eli, I've come uh, full circle on Akuro. I didn't want it before, talked oh. myself into it, and then we on our last pod with Robel, I went back and looked at Akuro. And I was like, wow, I had like that 500 days of summer thing where like, wow, this shot really <laughs> sucks. Uh, this guy really can't do much but drive. Like I've, that's probably yeah. the one pick. I'll be like, he's talented within itself, but I would actually be a little angry. if that's I actually completely agree. I've done the exact same thing. So I'm at the point where like, Okoro, I would be disappointed in, but I would see the logic and I would be like, you know, cautiously optimistic the way I am with a lot of picks. It's like Obi, James Wiseman would be, guys who I would really be bummed about coming out of the draft with. And then Okoro would be like pretty bummed, but still with like some, like, I know I'll talk myself into it by the time the season starts. Right. Um, but yeah, then like, like you guys said, for me, it's like Kira at the top and then, or sorry, Killian at the top and Vassell and Kira are basically like 2A and 2B. I'm not sure what, like given, it, it sort of depends on what they're doing with everything else. But, like, because I think that there is more ability to add a really high-value guard at 27 than there is to add a high-value wing who can shoot and play defense, that sort of makes me lean towards Vassell just because they need a wing defender who can shoot so desperately. And there are going to be a lot of interesting guards available at 27 or, you know, if they trade up, then even more so. But, I I mean, you know, Kira's been my guy for a long time. And 
it would be it would be so nice to have someone exciting in the garden again like what we wanted dennis smith to be but just maybe with a little bit less dunking and i'd be remiss to not mention my boy tyree tyrese maxi but i would want maxi more as a trade down like even if like the spurs i feel like are a perfect team to do a trade down with because this pat williams talk is like kind of annoying me now where it's like oh he might go six he might go seven it's like all right, I think we're just trying to lure the Spurs to trade up for him because that seems to be like the team that there's he fits one every best year. With. It's just annoying I mean, now. Like, I mean, it's let's get to the point where it's like, come on, he's not. I don't think he's a top but, ten pick. But this is what happened with Kevin Knox, not for nothing, and we ended Ugh. up taking him. Kevin Knox was and not a top Marquise ten pick Chris too. Yeah, they, some of these guys come. I don't know how or why, but they come out of nowhere late for one generally stupid reason, like a, a workout, and then they they shoot up the boards. For whatever reason, word gets around, and then somebody takes them in the top ten for. Yeah, like Pat Williams. It, it's oh, come on, like he didn't even yeah. start for Florida State. Like, yeah, but I like, want to be clear that he is. He seems like a much better prospect than Marquise Chris and Kevin Knox. But I 100%. do agree that like this idea of like he's moving up so fast when nothing has changed, kind of just sounds like people talking themselves into the skill set versus like right. you know an actual like basketball reason. But like I do. Th- that being said, I do think that he has a lot of potential. But like. He is so raw. Like, I think it's going to take so much work to get him to top 10 value mm-hmm. that, like, only a few – there are only a few teams that I trust to both put in the time and have the competence to develop him that way. I.e. the Spurs, which I think – I.e. the Spurs, too much, exactly. It makes too much sense for it. I've seen the Lonnie Walker and 11 pick for eight. I love that. I would take that in a heartbeat. Love it. I'll take Absolutely. that in a heartbeat. Because you can still get Kira, and if Kira happens to go right in front of you to Phoenix or anyone else – and you take Maxi. Yeah, give us Lonnie Walker, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, any of them. Oh, Keldon. Yeah, I forgot about Keldon. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Maxi and Lonnie. I think Lonnie shaved his head, but it would have been a great uh, hair team. <laughs> I will say um, I, I do agree with you guys on the Okaro stuff. And I've been loud about that in our Slack, but I haven't really talked about that a ton uh, publicly to fans or anybody yet. Uh, I'm way out on that, man. I don't think he's a bad prospect, like Mike said, but uh, the prospect of us taking another guy who... It'd be like the Jets. like si- si- Simply cannot shoot. Like, it doesn't matter that he's, you know, a really nice prospect. If he's another prospect that can't shoot... And, and he can't. It, and he cannot. Then, again, what are we doing here? Because it becomes redundant on whatever the plan currently is here. So, really... Again, not a slanderous thing. Just not the right guy for this team. I don't. I don't know why you would bet on him uh, as the, you know, best player available there. And I don't know why you would bet on him for the fit there. So, I have I'd a take be, that might be, be a little bit hot about really Coro. Sorry, continue. Yeah, you'd be no, really. No, no, that was it. I would just be really. That that's the one guy that would grind. Like, I and I understand like why people are out on Obi too. But like at least Obi, I can at least like talk myself into like, not talk the myself into. Mitch. Yeah, but I can at least like, I can at least look at the Knicks and go, oh, okay. I I don't agree. I wouldn't have done this, but I know why you did that. Like, I think that's not going to work the way you think it is, but I, I at least can see it. Like, but at least Okara, I I don't know. At that point, I'm just like, why? Like, literally, like Mike Mike said, it's like the Jets where we had another defensive player. It's like, okay, we we get it. We have we have the defensive players. They're not really even doing what they should be doing, but we keep taking them. Can we please get some guys to score some points? And then every year we're begging for guys to score points, and we never get it. They rank 29th in offense, and they rank near the top half in defense. We need. Yeah, I I think you're right on. And like even like like you said with the Ob thing, like you're like okay, it's it's probably not going to work out, but at least you can see the fit. Like a shooter slash like somewhat playmaker. He's a pretty good passer next to Mitch. That's kind of like the, the, like I said a couple weeks ago that he sort of strikes me as like Christian Wood would be sort of like a medium to high end outcome for him. And like, we all want Christian Wood's skill set next to Mitch. So I get, I get that. Yep. My, so here's, here's my kind of well put. scorching take on Okoro, which is if the shooting doesn't come around, which there is really no guarantee that it will, because he's a very bad shooter. I think that there is a genuine chance that Cole Anthony is a better pro. And Isaac Okoro? Yeah, and I, I could say that. Yeah, and I've been – what was the other t- – you said better than Denny. That was like – Better than Denny. I think That both made my phone fry when I read that. <laughs> I like – you know, I just think that there is a chance that Denny just doesn't do any one thing well enough, like that we get that sort of like – I know it's lazy, but the Dario Saric situation where he's like pretty oh. good at a lot of stuff, but he's like not – like and like – 
Cole Anthony just has a guaranteed really high level, even at the NBA level skill set, which is pull up shooting, which is a hugely invaluable skill set. Mm -hmm. And I think that his disaster year has like, you know, I think people have gone a little too far off of him. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much, I'm not the college guy here, but I'm actually very much with you on that. I, I haven't said it out loud because everybody, I knew I was going to get smeared once again for my, my scoring guard or, uh, you know, affinity <laughs> that everybody yells at me for, for wanting for some strange reason. Uh, but um, I, I think the hate has gotten out of hand too. Anytime you, you bring his name up, people talk about him like he's already a bust or, you know, some, like, a, like a failed project already. I think it's very, very strange. Uh, you, again, you could be lower on him, but like you said, like the thing that projects well for him is kind of like, you know, the crucial, most important thing for offenses in general and especially offensive guards. So it's like, I, I think that's a very reasonable bet. I, I would, I don't think that's scorching at all. I probably agree with you. Yeah. I think the Cole hate is just typical. He was the projected number one pick, and we saw it with RJ and a couple other guys, Wiggins as well. Where even Cam Reddish, people, I'd say, yeah, Cam Reddish. Like people just look, want to say, like, ah, see, I told you he wasn't the best player in this draft. This guy sucks. I want to see if that happens to Cade to see if that holds true because I think that's a great test because it feels like every year the preseason projected number one pick. If he slips, everyone is the first to say, like, ah, I told you he's not that good. So it's just – I think that's what more of the Cole hate is more than anything. Yeah, plus, as we know, scoring is bad in the NBA. Yeah, and that's another thing. we got to stop with this gravity nonsense and all this stupid shit. It's like, yeah, at the end of the day, the Knicks need to score points. And enough of this – oh, but he adds this defensive wind chairs and all this other bullshit. It's like, stop. Yeah. And I will uh, say that Cole is like a – like he's limited because of his size and like his lack of burst, but he's a pretty solid defender and he really works his ass off on that end. And like, he's not a great passer, but he's a pretty good passer. Like I I feel like there are definite avenues for him to be a good starting point guard in the league. And I think that people are efficiency with him, everything like the, yep. That's all it is. Yeah. I think Uh, people just like focus on what he can't do and ignore like the very valuable things that he does do. I I do. The last thing I want to say on that is for me anyway, is, um, I do find it funny that we only do that with offensive guards. I, I just want to bring that up. It's very funny. Uh, if you bring up, like, that's the that's what you'll always hear with a, an, any guard that can score is all these things that they can't do, and then apparently they're a bad basketball player because of these things that they can't do. All they can do is score, or, or that's all they're looking to do. But then the opposite way, when guys can't score at all, in fact, they're horrific at it, you'll overhear about the things that they do otherwise, which is otherwise existing in a game of basketball. You know, they're not really dominant in the other ways, but they're just, they kind of exist there and get some stats. So then that's all that you hear about. And I just find that very, very funny because the offense is always far more impactful. It's just a weird, like, way that the discussion has kind of gotten warped to me. Where yeah, it's, like, like, it's very strange. I don't really get it. It's, it's sort of like anti-basketball. Right. I really don't think there's that big of a gap between Tyrese Halliburton and Cole Anthony, but Tyrese is a consensus Lottery pick and Cole's going as late as twenty seven. I've seen him go to the Knicks at twenty seven, and some. Yeah, which is I don't think I don't, I don't think that's that's there's that big of a gap. Well, and we just like I was sort of harping on this in the playoffs, but like we just came out of a playoffs where like Jordan Clarkson and Dennis Schroeder yep. and Tyler Hero were playing very valuable roles for good teams, and these were all like Schroeder and Clarkson have been guys who have been talked about as being like not winning players. And yeah, remember when no one wanted Schroeder? <laughs> yeah, so it's like it, it was just a clear indication of like, yes, maybe you don't want them as your like main point guard on a mediocre team, but you can fit them into a winning construct because every team is going to need scoring at some point. This is why the the absolutes of the discussions on these guys usually bothers me, and I usually have to go the other way uh, it, because it's like it gets to be too much. Like there there are no absolutes. You you can't ever win with guys until you can. Remember, Monta Ellis you couldn't win with, and then all of a sudden he goes to Dallas. He looks great with Rick Carlisle. Like, it's a, it, this has always happened. There, there's always – it's all about fit and coaching. It, it You know, it, it, it's so important, and not everybody gets it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a very well, tough Well, Devin thing. Booker couldn't win until this year. He wasn't a good player. He was an empty stats bad team guy until this year. And all of a yep. sudden, oh, no, magically he's a always good player. Always laughable. So that was the most laughable shit to me. And it really yep. – 
like irked me when I did that. I did a piece on should should that be the next the next big move, and the comments made me nauseous. Where it's like I want a guy that can play both sides of the floor. It's like how about the guy who had a game winner over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? How about the guy who can drop thirty in his sleep? Yeah, it, it again. It, it's anti basketball is the best way I could put it. Like people will make you out to like to be a an atrocity in 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 basketball conversations if you ever bring up like points primarily anymore because that's what it was with the the booker argument we're like it's it's devin booker is actually really 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 like really incredibly good at offense we probably need him everyone's like well he needs to play defense it's like guys uh i mean offense clearly is worth more than defense it's not even a little bit close yeah trying on defense and playing defense is two separate things to me yeah but uh yeah that's like the brad beal thing everyone said he couldn't play defense because he didn't try this year it's really, it, it's 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 a really stupid discussion, man. It really is. It, it really warps a lot of what it's we you know should be focusing on. Fake intellects trying to be smarter than everybody else when they're not. Um, real quick though, before we get out of here, uh, the mailbag stuff. Uh, most of it we actually covered. Um, you know stuff like uh, from Dan Schmidt here doesn't going after Fred Van Vliet make more sense? Less money, no picks, keep our guys. Yeah, uh, that's what we would prefer. Uh, somebody wanted uh, uh, us to explain why we shouldn't go after Westbrook. We we did. So there you go for that. Uh, you know, we did the why not route if it doesn't cost much for Russell Westbrook for uh, from Jason Lopez, actually. Um, the only real question for you guys would be uh, who would be the next hypothetical disgruntled star you would want uh, in, in a couple of words. If I one were to go. I, I would still take a swing on him. If we're looking a little bit further down the line, like I think maybe, you know, you could see like Cat if the Timberwolves don't win anything in the next like year or two coming available. Not that I think the Knicks could get him, but he would be, you know, he would be the guy. I think he'd be the best young guy who could possibly become available and, you know, <laughs> just be amazing. Like him and RJ would be an incredible combination. I would love it. Yeah. Um, I. I still want Bradley Beal if that he were ever to become available. Uh, I just think the scoring and playmaking is too valuable. So um, I think he could fit almost anywhere. Um, so that's all I got. Uh, um, all right, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, outro quick and uh, get out of here. Uh, I don't know, Mike, if we have any other pieces or stuff coming up that you want to plug. or I do want to mostly plug draft night. We will be, be live on Twitch during draft night and I believe Discord as well. So join us. Hopefully it's a fun draft night because we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but wishing for the best. So be on the lookout for that. Draft season should be very relevant leading up to that. I believe they're recording Monday. So be on the lookout Tuesday or Wednesday for their stuff. And as always, just check out Quentin Haynes has been on a tear. Eli's been on a tear writing wise. So make sure you go check that out. and. We will go through this together. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Make sure you're checking out the nextwall.com. Get those reps in on the offseason app while you still can uh, so you can play your role as Nick's GM, as we like to bring you guys that every year. Uh, make sure, you know, you're checking out the design tree shop that we have for our merchandise. You support the brand. Uh, you know, we got some Christmas sweaters still in stock from last year. We got the uh, Mary Mitch Miss. We got a, a nice little Frank ugly Christmas sweater up there. Uh, so a lot, lot of goodies, a lot of good RJ Barrett stuff too. So that's designtree.com. So dsgntree.com slash the Knicks wall. Um, but we'll be tweeting those out and also uh, the Discord, Discord link that Mike, you know, was just talking about. So we'll make sure you guys are uh, updated with those on the timeline. But, uh, you know, aside from that, we will uh, hopefully talk to you excited next week with a a couple of good happenings or rumors or things that aren't just doom and gloom all the time and uh, hopefully one of those things is us getting Kyra Lewis Jr. so we will see what happens so we'll talk to you guys next time take it easy